Uh, from the Diocese of Gallup, welcome to Crozier Cast. I'm Suzanne Hammonds, and with me, as always, is your host, Bishop James Wall. Bishop Wall, how are you today? I'm doing great, Suzanne, I, and I guess we have uh, two visitors to our, our podcast today. Two special guests. Yeah, my dogs, <laughs> sister and Jake. One is very good, and one is very bad, and he's being that right now. <laughs> he just wants some uh, some love while we podcast here. So today we wanted to talk about Holy Week. Um, so bring us up today, Bishop Wall. Could you give us an overview of what is Holy Week? Sure. Holy Week, uh, you know, obviously it, it, it's what it says. It's the holiest of all weeks because um, it's the week that that uh, that contains um, uh, the, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It's a week that contains the Lord's Supper. It's the week that contains. Uh, the uh, passion, uh, suffering, death, and uh, on the cross, and then ultimately culminates with the beginning of Easter. So mm-hmm. the resurrection—that's kind of it in a nutshell. Uh, that's holy, but it is—it's the holiest of all weeks. And it uh, could you? So there's a lot that happens. There's the Easter, the Easter tridu- triduum, right? Mm-hmm. So could you give us an overview of what that entails? So the the Easter triduum, or there are three days. And they consist of three liturgies, and the one would be um, Holy Thursday, and that would be the Mass of the Lord's Supper. And traditionally, at the Mass, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, what we recall is the institution of the Eucharist, and then we have the Mandatum, which is a mandate um, to the Church to imitate the example of Christ. Um, in particular, it's, it was the example that he gave to the Apostles where he washed their feet, so it, it was the, the mandate of service. And, and so we, we have that. And, and then we, um, we have a, a beautiful point at the end of the, of the Mass where we have a procession of the Blessed Sacrament, and then we have an, an altar of repose. And, and so we invite the faithful to spend time with our Lord. Generally, that takes place until midnight. So that would be on, on a Holy Thursday. Um, in some places on Holy Thursday, though, they can have the, what we call the Chrism Mass. And the Chrism Mass is where the bishop blesses the oils to be used. Oil the catechumen, oil the infirm, oil the, of, of the, uh, the sacred chrism. And then also it's a time when the, um, the priest and the bishops renew their, their promise, their priestly promises. And the lay faithful who gather, uh, they, they make a promise to pray for the priests. So there's a special connection at the Chrism Mass, uh, that connection with the bishop and with his priests, and then the blessing of the oils that we use in ministry throughout the upcoming year. So lo- technically that's to take place on Thursday morning of Holy Thursday, but uh, some places, because of pastoral reasons, do it earlier. I came from a tradition in Phoenix where we did it on Monday of Holy Week, but we are so spread out here in the Diocese of Gallup, I made the decision to do it the, the Thursday prior to that. We spent a full day in prayer, and um, we had the speaker come in for the priest, and then that night we enter into the Chrism Mass. So maybe some people don't know this, but the oils that are used, it's for... Uh, confirmations for uh, anointing of the sick and things like that. They're they're uh, blessed newly every year, so you don't have some oil that's been used for years and years, correct? No, we don't. No, we don't. We are 
to get, you know, you get rid of the old oils. Technically, you're supposed to burn it, burn the old oil. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Kind of like ashes, the palms. You burn the palms and make ashes. Yeah. Which is actually a good lead into, so then Palm Sunday sort of, you know, is the Sunday before Easter. So why um, has the church designated Palm Sunday at that time? Because that's the, the Sunday where we have this triumphant entry of our Lord into Jerusalem. And so it's, it's, it's interesting because you have many of the people that are singing his praises, Hosanna, the son of David, are going to turn their back on him in, in just a few days. But that's, you know, it's, it is in remembrance of that, that event which took place. Because our, our Lord right now, especially the closer and closer we get to Holy Week and to Easter, he really sets his sights on Jerusalem. You know, for this reason I came into the world, to suffer, to die, and to rise on the third day. And so he really starts to set his sight on Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was where the sacrifice will take place, the sacrifice not of, you know, some imperfect animal, but the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, the, the, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And that sacrifice will take place upon the cross. But we know with the sacrifice, it's not the end. It's, it's, uh, there's a beginning, a new life in, in three days. And, of course, if you're familiar with Palm Sunday, uh, some people listening may remember this as the it's the time where we have I think the longest gospel reading right and then we have the there's the priest and usually a deacon or a reader and then the people respond it's the one gospel of the year where we are able to do it in parts uh, there was a bit of an abuse for a while where people uh, parsed out I guess or um, the uh, different parts of the of the passion or different other readings make it a, bit, a little more theatric. But, you know, the, the church says the only one that you can do that with is with the passion, and, and, that's, and that's it. Because it does, like you say, there, there you have a narrator, or generally the priest will play Christ. Um, you have someone else to play the other parts. And then the, the assembly gets to play the, the crowd. They're the ones that get to yell, crucify him. Which is another good reflection in a way, because like you mentioned, there's the people that are welcoming Christ, which we like to think of ourselves, but then we take on the role of people who also betray him, sure. know, which is a good reminder for all of us. And Pope Benedict said in his reflection on that, he said for, for, for many of them, they were one and the same. So he had so many people that were singing his praises earlier in the week, but then they turned on him. They, you know, when, when, our, when our Lord was brought before the, uh, the crowds and, and uh, Pilate said, who would you like us to release? And they say, release Barabbas. And uh, they have no idea what they're saying because um, Barabbas literally means son of the father. Hmm. And, um, and so they, they say Luis Barabbas, son of the father, um, and it's this criminal, but the true son of the father is Jesus Christ. So they had no idea what they were saying or, or calling for. And it's, I wonder how often we've, you know, I know sometimes I'll find myself, it's easy when you're with like-minded people to live out your faith and then how often is it how often do we live out our faith when it's unpopular you know yeah so. yeah yeah you can be easily influenced yeah. yeah so then we move through um monday tuesday wednesday we get to holy thursday so you mentioned there's the the washing of the feet and that liturgy could you get into that a little bit more sure so at the the, the washing of the feet so we have the institution of the the eucharist we have the washing of the feet, and then I always uh, should have mentioned this too. It's the institution of the, of the priesthood. So those are three very, very important events in the life of the church. 
And they're all intimately connected because our Lord establishes the priesthood, he establishes the Eucharist, and then he says, I've, you know, I've come not to be served, but to serve and offer my life as a ransom for the many. And so um, in that one liturgy, we really gain an understanding of, of the ordained priesthood, the connection to the Eucharist, and how it's not to be something that is exalted and placed on a pedestal, but it's to be imitated um, uh, by our Lord, and it's, it's one of service, and so it's not to be placed on a pedestal, but really uh, the priest is to be placed on the cross. Yeah. And then we move into, of course, Good Friday. And am I remembering right that this is the only day of the year where there's no Mass? It is. Yeah. So we, we refer to it as Good Friday Liturgy. And it is. It's the only day. So we will consecrate enough hosts the night before at the institution of the Mass of the, mass of the Lord's Supper, or the, the Mass of the Lord's Supper institution of the Eucharist. And then the next day, when again we hear the Passion proclaimed, we have an opportunity to venerate the cross, and then the faithful receive Holy Communion, and the Holy Communion is from the night before. And so it is, it's the one where we, um, we enter into silence and we depart in silence, but it's a very somber liturgy, and, and, and rightfully so, because it's the day when our Lord you know, mounted the wood of the cross and completely poured out his life um, for the life of the world. So it's, it, it, it takes on a completely different character. All three liturgies of the Triduum take on a, a completely different character. So the Holy Thursday and then Good Friday. Is that why we also traditionally see many of the statues and paintings and things like that covered? So we'll start to cover the statues. The statues will be covered on um, right before uh, the fifth Sunday of Lent. The statues will start to be colored. Uh, covered. Now, some they might change some of the colors during that time, but they'll start to be covered. Really, it does is it it um, you take away some of the decorations, you take away some of the things that might draw us from you know, not necessarily point us toward the central action of, of Christ on the cross, and it really focuses our attention. Yeah. So then we move into Holy Saturday. So is there, or Saturday, so is there anything um, that marks that day aside from the others? Well, Saturday, the, the Holy Saturday, the Easter Vigil, that's the high point of the year. That's the high point of the, the uh, liturgical season. And because the reason for that is he's risen. You know, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Thinking they were, they were thinking he was speaking about the physical temple, but he was speaking about the temple of his body where the true sacrifice was offered for all time. And so what we do is we gather in darkness and we light what we call the Easter fire and then we bless what we call the Paschal candle, which is a symbol of Christ. And then we light the Paschal candle from the Easter fire. And as we process into the church, we process with those who will be come into the church through baptism, those who will be confirmed, receive First Holy Communion, those who will be welcomed into the church who perhaps already validly baptized. And we process into darkness and little by little we light candles. And then as we come into the church and all the lights are turned on, we sing the exalted. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, call to worship, call to praise to the church. And then after the exalted and a prayer, we sit down and what we do is we hear salvation history. We hear a number of readings, salvation history, hear a reading, we have a psalm, 
and then we have a prayer, and that, that repeats itself a number of times. And, um, and then uh, one of the things we do uh, kind of toward the end of the Old Testament readings is we sing the Gloria, and the Gloria is something that we suspend during the Lent. So we sing the Gloria, the candles and the altar are all lit, the bells are, are rung, all kinds of things are, are done that we've, we, in a sense, we've kind of fasted from some for a few days and some for, throughout the entire season of Lent. So there's a whole notion of what would be the Liturgy of the Word, and then after the Liturgy of the Word, you know, part of that would be the homily, and then, then we move into the welcoming of people through the sacraments of initiation. It's a very, very exciting time. And then um, it's just to see new Catholics, it's, 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 it's really exciting. It's actually, I, I always find it very uh, moving, emotionally moving. And then, um, and then we go into the Liturgy of the Eucharist. And so the Mass continues, um, the Eucharist is made present, and then the faithful are fed with the Eucharist. It's a, it's a great day, it's a really day. It, it goes a little about three hours, a little over three hours. We do all the readings, so it goes about three hours. And if you go to my grandparents' Latin Mass community, it goes four to five hours, yeah. but it's all nice, yeah. So then uh, Easter Sunday, so how is that different from the vigil? So, so Easter Sunday is, you know, the Sunday is always a, the a day of the resurrection. So the, the next morning, you know, people come to Mass on Sunday and, and they enter into the celebration of the Mass, sacrifice of the Mass. One of the things we generally do is we, um, we uh, replace the penitential rite with the renewal of baptismal promises and then um, the, uh, the sprinkling, right, the sprinkling of, of holy water. So it's a, it's a renewal of their baptismal promises. And then you also mentioned earlier that we don't, you know, we don't do the Gloria throughout Lent. So why is that that we don't that we leave that out during Lent? You know, it's a, it, I guess it's a little more of a somber. It's a penitential season, so that's one of the things that we, we do. That the reason we do it. Now we do have liturgical celebrations during Lent when we do that: the Feast of Saint Joseph, Feast of the Annunciation, things like that. But it is something that we you know, we suspend, um, or you might even say fast from. Um, abstain from uh, during that season because it, it takes on more of a penitential nature. Nice. Um, as we kind of move to the end here, is there anything that you would like to, to cover that maybe we didn't talk about yet? Well, I guess if there's one thing I'd say is try to go to all the liturgies if you're able to. So obviously we do go, you know, Sundays are givens. So we go to those anyways. But it's possible, you know, to, to find out when the Chrism Mass is and go to the Chrism Mass. It's a beautiful liturgy. And then try to try to go all the masses of the of the Triduum, you know, to go to the Holy Thursday and to go to uh, the Good Friday liturgy. But if you've never been to the Easter Vigil, you know, treat yourself and go to go to the Easter Vigil. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, uh, liturgical celebration. And because what you one of the things I love most about it is you hear a number of readings in succession, and the number of readings are um, are that's salvation history tells the story, God's story to us of salvation. And it's, it's just, it's incredible, yeah. incredible. My final question for people who attend Holy Week festivities, is there anything that you would like, or not festivities, but the, the liturgies, um, is there any particular reflection you'd recommend that they, um, that they take with them? It's a good question, that is a good question. Uh, I would say this, I would say let the liturgy speak to you. You know, go in there, you know, if, if possible, prepare by reading the readings prior to that. But let the liturgy speak to you. 
And then whatever the Lord gives to you, because that's our Lord speaking to you, you know, receive that. You know, one of the, the um, notions of once we receive something, if it gives us consolation, we keep receiving it over and over and over. We keep drinking from that, that wellspring as long as we are, are, uh, our thirst is quenched. And so I would say just keep receiving, receiving what it is. Awesome. All right, well, thanks once again, Bishop Wall, for uh, sitting with us for another episode of Crozier Cast. Thank you.